Hello and welcome to On the Battlefield with Father Michael Marcantoni and me, Father Joseph Collins, where we are sharing the Christian message of hope and endurance amidst the struggles and suffering of life. Father Michael, it is great to be back with you today, uh, where we are going to talk about incremental progress. But before we do that, why don't you remind everyone where they can find us both online and on social media? Yes, absolutely. So, of course, we can be found on Anchor FM. That is our main platform, which shares out over iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and on social media, on the Battlefield Podcast on Facebook. And we do have a YouTube channel and a Rumble channel page, whatever it is they're called, on Rumble, where on the non-podcast week we share uh, what we've come to affectionately call the OTV shorts on the battlefield shorts, uh, which are brief little videos uh, where we just kind of go through some of the adjacent material that we're thinking through and processing to kind of keep the uh, keep the rhythm going. Those will be available audio only on Anchor, uh, but they're shared out as videos over uh, over YouTube, Rumble, and then of course over Facebook. And those have actually gotten a really, uh, those have gotten a really good response. Uh, I've, uh, I've gotten a good bit of comment on that and people have enjoyed them. I know I've enjoyed making them uh, and they're kind of a little fun, informal kind of short little clips. So that's, it's been good. So that's where you can find us. Yeah, they've been pretty cool. I've enjoyed uh, the process of learning how to do a little bit of video editing. Um, my my son, uh, our oldest, is uh, is wanting to help do that. So it's been a good opportunity, even at home, to 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 share the to share the the content of the media uh, with with my family. And uh, thank you, Father Michael, uh, for that introduction. Let's get going. Let's let's talk about incremental progress. Uh, that the idea of life doesn't just happen all at once. It takes us being uh, dedicated and active in our own life to to bring about results. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna pop off a thousand pull-ups if you didn't start with one sort of idea. So uh, let's let's kick this off and tell everybody uh, where you're at with this, please. Yeah. So I actually got this. So I was listening to some, uh, some old content by uh, Jordan Peterson last week. And that's actually what got me thinking about it because uh, in a lot of his media, he talks about setting your sights upward and aiming your goals upward. And one of the things he brings up is the fact that in order to do that successfully, you've got to set the bar sufficiently low. Uh, in order to achieve it and how unglamorous that is. And that really spoke to me. Uh, that really spoke to me a great deal because I know as someone who I, I derive a lot of, uh, a lot of my self-worth both for, uh, both for better and for worse. I think uh, very often, most of the time for worse. Uh, uh, but I, I really hang on to my achievements and what I think I, I'm achieving. And so my, um, my default is not to set my bar really low. Like it always feels demeaning. You know, it, it always feels kind of demeaning to set my bar so low and be like, oh, well, you know, I could do this. And it's like, well, that's too easy. Uh, but what he points out and then what I kind of saw really confirmed, like as I was reading through the lives of the Desert Fathers and things, is people who are serious about excellence do start exactly there. They start exactly there. They set the bar super low so that it's attainable. And the idea is that all of these small incremental attainable things then build up into great things. Um, and I, one of our one of our biggest problems uh, within our, our cultures, we kind of have the the Hollywood montage uh, of greatness that we all grew up seeing in uh, in movies. You know, where you condense. You know, the the I, I, as a kid, I was a big fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme to give a sense of my age. And, you know, in every movie he starts out as like the, he, he gives us, he gives a, uh, you know, he'll start out as like a novice or a loser or whatever, but then he has like this training montage with the master, 
You know, like he can't beat the foe, but he'll have this training montage. And after a brief training montage, which condenses like nine months worth of work, hellish work into 12 minutes or less. Uh, now he's ready to conquer the world. And unfortunately, because that's a story we tell ourselves, that's kind of tacitly what we've come to believe. Or like taking in a little better way, uh, you know, saying, well, if I can achieve that, then may, shouldn't I set my sights a little higher? And if you're really trying to get anywhere, the answer is no, you shouldn't. You should not set your sights higher because it's that 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 mastery at a very incremental level is what's going to allow you to do great things. So like you, you read through the Desert Fathers and they are, you know, when people want to, people will come to them and want to like go off and, uh, you know, do, do extreme ascetic exercises and fast, you know, for a week at a time or something like that. They're like, just start with like half a day, say some Jesus prayers, like just start, get really consistent, small, or you're going to burn out. And people like me, it's hard to hear that. And it's hard to hear that for something that I came across in the same talk I was listening to. And that is, it demands a great deal of humility. Like you've got to not be above the base and the easy. Saying that's too easy is also, it's also a statement of pride saying, I'm better than that. And like, well, no, maybe I'm not better than making my bed in the morning. Maybe I'm not better than just being a not disagreeable human being. Uh, early in the morning, like to start out incrementally takes a great deal of humility. And that's, I think, I think that's where it gets difficult, but I think that's where the conversation really gets useful for us because it's like, oh, it's not just doing small things. It's the humility involved in doing small things. What do you think? I think, I think it's building a process. You know, when when you're when you're building a process, when you're building a, a structure of any sort, you, you have to start somewhere, and and it doesn't. You know, when you look at a building, uh, the the foundation isn't always the most exciting part of the building. Like when you look at a new construction somewhere in Nashville, or when I see a new house or a new structure going up out here in Cheyenne. Uh, you see a big hole in the ground and a bunch of dudes pouring cement, and that looks pretty boring. It looks pretty, pretty minimal, but um, and and it looks relatively easy. But those those easy things that that end up being the most important part of the entire structure. Because if you don't start with that, then if you don't start with that part of the process, if the if the process doesn't start in the right place and the process doesn't start you off in the right direction, then then you got nothing moving forward. Um, you know, I think we miss that a lot of the time that that we want to end up in that glorious place. We want to have we want to have the accolades. We want to have the the spiritual prowess or we want to have the the big hundred thousand dollar pickup truck or the three quarter of a million dollar three thousand square foot house but having having all of that is 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 just kind of like pie in the sky if you don't have a good process in place to help you get there if that makes sense well i think it does it's it's the it's the non-glamorous nature of it I think is where the humility comes in because it's so like you, like it's a, that's a really good example with the house. I mean, the rest of the house doesn't work without the foundation, but the foundation is messy and it's, and it's, it's phenomenally unglamorous. Uh, I mean, you're making a big hole. That's where like there's nails everywhere and uh, concrete everywhere. I mean, it looks like garbage, like laying a foundation looks absolutely horrendous. It, 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 it's, if there were any part of the building process that like a five-year-old would be on board with, it's the foundation because it just looks like a giant sandbox. When I was a kid, we moved so much. I used to love to – I used to actually love to play in construction sites. Like, the, you know, because it, for a kid, it's like a giant jungle, jungle gym. There's big piles of sand everywhere and rocks and sticks that can be used as swords and stuff. And if there was a not, you know, if there was a, a, a construction, if there was a new construction in our neighborhood that was not being worked on that day, we were playing there. 
And you can, you know, you got to dodge the dangerous rebar and jump off with things. It was super fun. Uh, lots of bad ideas playing, doing that. It's a terrible idea, but we did it all the time. But that, it's so it, it's so unglamorous. And you can't look at it and have any sense of what's being built. You have can't look at that that at that stage. The casual passerby has no idea what's going on. I mean, it could be at the end of it, we have multi-million dollar home look absolutely gorgeous. It doesn't look that way at the foundation stage. Um, and, and, and so it's like, but it's, it's, it's essential. And the pro, but the problem is that that part is it's unglamorous. It is unappealing. It's, it's absolutely unsatisfying and, and, and hard toil. Um, and, also, you know, in the case of a house, by the time you get there, you've at least there, the architect has kind of put things together and anyone involved knows this is going to work out because you wouldn't even start without it. But in the case of like our spiritual lives or our marriages or our careers, when you're at that unglamorous foundation building thing, what really makes it so dicey is you also have no guarantee that it's going to work out. That's the other side to it. That's, I think, why we skip over it. Or we start to set the goals a little beyond because it's like, not only is it just unglamorous, but in, you know, conceptually, we're, we're in applied to other areas. You have no guarantee that it's going to work out. You have no guarantee that it's going to end up uh, anywhere good. That You have no guarantee that you won't have to start over, that things won't derail it. Um, it, it, it's, there's a lot of danger there. And so with that humility comes a, a lot of faith because it's like, well, this, this may not come together. This may not work. Um, and, and that's, that's a, that's a, a bigger thing. You know, that's, that's a, that's a, a bit more, uh, it's a bit more difficult. It really is. The the Lord said to to build our foundation on on Him. The, he's He's the rock. So we have to have, and and we do have in the church. We we have uh, consistent processes that have shown themselves to work throughout the ages, and we need to be humble enough to to abide in those and to have some faith and some trust in the Lord. That even though it may not always look like we may think it should, even though it may not always go the way we think it should, that God has a bigger plan uh, in store, not only for our lives, but for the for the church. And that is to, to be sons and daughters of the Most High, that He has a desire to perfect us. And that and that we that we need to follow His process. And that that process is intended to to do some very remarkable things in our lives that don't always look as cool as we might hope they would. They're they're not the Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> montage, like you said. It's it's not it's not always going to look like uh, three foot ten Jean Claude doing a, a flying sidekick to the head of some seven foot giant, you know. But at the end of the day the the process is there and it's intended for us to vanquish our foe and to overcome and we just need to be humble in accepting that uh we, we don't know the beginning the end from the beginning and we need to participate in, in that incremental progress that the lord has set out for us yeah but i think i think part of part of the issue it, it, there with that is that, um, you know, well, not the issue, but one of the strengths, I'll start with the strength. One of the strengths we have as Orthodox Christians is our structure, our, our ecclesiology is set up to incline towards building on what came before. Like, like the, like if you want, if you want an, if you want an Orthodox, this is, and what I'm about to say runs counterculture to being an American. It really does. But if you want something in Orthodoxy to, to fail spectacularly, Call it new and revolutionary. Say so like like you like we've come up with a new and revolutionary way. You're done. You're done. You use use the word innovative in your advertising, 
as an Orthodox Christian, you are finished. And that is heresy to American thought. But the idea is, it's like, whoa, that, you know, that you are, that you have been entrusted with this deposit of faith. You've been entrusted with this life in Christ. And it's not yours to just manhandle and redefine and retool. And it's like you're being faithful to it, not like making it serve you. So when you look at the, um, if you, if you're able to read the introduction to Luke's gospel in Greek, as you should be, because everybody should be able to do that. I mean, how do you, how is everybody not able to do that? But, um, but if you, if you're able to, you'll notice that the introductory paragraph to Luke's gospel and the gospel narrative are written in noticeably different styles of Greek. Uh, Luke was a physician. The introductory paragraph is polished. It is erudite. It is articulate. The words are big and complex. It is gorgeous, grammatically speaking. And as soon as he switches to the gospel narrative, it switches to a plain, everyday, simple, straightforward style of Greek like night and day. It's like going from, it's like going from Shakespearean English to modern English. Like, and, 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 and just in the formality or Victorian, I guess that's probably a better comparison would be like Victorian era English. It's like going from Victoria era, era formal English to just modern chit chat. And why? It's because even the apostle, even the evangelist Luke, is he's not telling the gospel in the way that he thinks it should be presented. He's telling it the way that it was handed down to him. He's handing it down faithful, even in the mode of transition, uh, even in the mode of transmission, the, the mode of communicating it. He's even being faithful there. And that's a spirit that we have kept as Orthodox Christians. So it's like, no, let's hand this on, faithful to how we received it, and then also we kind of, in doing so, we can also say, okay, what are some, you know, what, what are the new realities in which we live? So, I mean, like, you know, you've got, you know, Orthodox churches all over the world are online. That's a new technology, but we're not going to retool the liturgy, right? I mean, so there's things like that. Um, that's good. One of the big challenges, one of the big challenges on it for us is that we get impatient. And so we kind of, we can abandon far too quickly what we what we expect to happen. So uh, I, I've noticed this in parish life very often. You know, someone will kind of want you know someone will want quick results, and the priest lays out you know a ministry plan. Here's what we're going to here's we're going to go about it, and the other people involved begrudgingly try it for about three weeks, and in thirty days they're like, "Hey, Father, it doesn't work." Or, you know, it's like, well, yeah, nothing works in like 20 days. You got it. Like, like if you're really trying to evangelize and, and, and teach and incorporate the faith, we're talking years, man. We're not talking days. What are you, what are you doing? Um, and not embracing the very incremental nature of growing in Christ, of growing in our Orthodox faith, the, you know, not celebrating these small incremental steps uh, we just, we derailed the whole thing because we're like, Hey, it's been two weeks. Why don't we've been, it's been two weeks. Why aren't our children saints yet? You know, you know, whereas like reality is nothing happens in two weeks. And usually, usually what that is, is it's really an excuse to get to, to, to pitch what it is we really wanted to do in the first place. Um, and I think not, not being comfortable with, the incremental way that life actually works, um, it it becomes an outlet of pride that we're able to say like, okay, I'm going to insist on my way. I gave your way a chance. I gave humility a chance. Now we're doing it my way. It, when we, in fact, never really gave humility a chance and never gave anything a, a, a real shot because, yeah. So I, I think that's, I think that's the thing, but I think we're set up better than most as Orthodox Christians because, once again, um, you don't you, you have to do less convincing in our world to get people to honor what came before. It's at least somehow built into the system. Whether or not people 
are always happy about it's another deal, but you don't, I think there's other uh, communities that would have to like sell that idea first. Like, why should we build on the past? And, and, and there, especially if they're a thoroughly um, North Americanized system, there's kind of a knee jerk bias that the past is to be transcended. And, and you've got to convince people that. And that's, those are waters that our people imbibe in the rest of their lives. It's inevitable that they'll bring it back into the parishes. I think that there's a, a level of, of expectation that we have. Uh, and like for me, when I, when I look at my life and I look at the, the lives of people around us and the society that we've built over the past hundred years with all of the, with all of the, the new technology and all the innovation that we've brought into the world, that, that we have this expectation that life will necessarily be easier for me than it was for the person before me. And I, and that as wonderful as it is, it's really nice to have it easier than the guy before you because of the work that they did. It's really great that my great grandfather did all the work that he did. So my life can be better, but that can, I think, but where our expectation is wrong is that in every aspect of life, my life should necessarily be easier than the guy ahead of me. And that is not true. That is not true at all, because if we don't develop processes in our lives, if we don't develop, uh, if we don't develop goals and we don't develop our spiritual uh, strength, we don't develop our mental strength, we don't develop our physical strength, if we don't become on purpose strong, resilient people, th then what do we have, right? It, it's really nice that, that I have a car that's really sweet and has all this technology and that is built on the shoulders of all these giants that went before us in the auto industry, but th their strengths and, and all the things that they learned in their lives are not going to make me a better spiritual person. They're not going to make me a better father if I don't incrementally build myself towards those things, if I don't put myself towards the hard humbling work of building a process in my life to be the best that I can be. Each of us have to do that. We're not exempt. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd say that failing to do so, refusing to do so is really causes us to not get anywhere. Uh, I mean, so like... I mean, let's just, let's actually bring it back to the spiritual life. You know, I mean, to, so if we say like, okay, we, we, we say, Lord, I need discernment. I mean, okay, well, you know, if you want to know the mind of God, okay, well, well you know, read the scriptures, read the, the writings uh, of the fathers, pray above all. And, and if we're not, if we're not spending time, we're saying that, if we're saying that we want to be holy, then actually spending time in consistent prayer, actually spending time immersed in spiritual work and in, in exercising the fruits of the spirit in our lives when it's phenomenally inconvenient is really the only way to, to do it. And, and you, you're going to not be very good at it at first. You're going to do terribly. You're going to need to go back to confession a lot, a lot. Um, I think it's easier to also easier to set out with your own with your own plan because then there's really no one else to call you on it. You know, if we put together, if we've said, oh, hey, here's my six point plan to holiness and like that, that doesn't, you know, if, if there's no benchmark and I'm slow, if I look at yeah, that, that's not going to work. Well, how do you know? It's not yours. And you just if we make if we make the road to Christ so subjective that I can just retool it and you can retool it. Well, then also we can't call each other out because there's no way to measure and say, well, who knows if it would work or, you know, it has it doesn't of necessity it doesn't have a relationship to anything else. So what does it matter if it looks nonsensical or if it's heretical? Um, so, again, these some of these things. It's not that they don't have a place like 
there there's a certain degree to where there's some of the stuff that would work in like an entrepreneurial field like it if you're in if you're in IT or something you know pioneering out on your own and and innovating on your own might be the key to success and 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 so forth so there's there's areas of life where some of this makes sense but there's areas of life where it doesn't um but also also even in those areas where it does make sense, it only makes sense because someone is so firmly rooted in the basics and consistent incremental basics that make the machinery function to begin with. So when St. Simeon Stylites, um, when, when he founded his form of monasticism, which was they were in the city and there was nowhere to build a monastery. So like he built a giant pillar and went and lived on top of the pillar for three years. And it was seen as an innovation. It's seen as dangerous. And so like they, they challenged him. They said, hey, you're, you're, you're full of pride. Come down and live like a normal monk. And he did. And his humility impressed the discerning patriarch. He said, no, you're good. Go back up. Because he had the humility. He had, he had the fruit of humility. Say, okay, maybe that's not, uh, maybe it's not so bad. But like him living up on a pillar, if he wasn't firmly rooted in the um, the real foundational prayers and practices of of Orthodox spirituality that was going to be of no benefit to him or anyone else, and that had to be it means you know the 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 incremental maturity there and spiritual growth there that had to build over long and difficult times, um, and, and I think that that I think that's case in point. Because there, he's not the only stylite. Other people did that because it 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 worked, but it worked because of who he was when he went up. Um, so, you know, he might have been if it was just a one off, it would have stopped with him. But he benefited generations to come. Or same thing. I mean, you know, when you're looking at Saint Pachomios or Saint Anthony, any of these people who go out and they found, you know, Saint Anthony is considered to be the father of uh, hermits and and those who kind of dwell just sort of in small, like one or twos uh, out in seclusion and prayer. And St. Pachomius, the, the, our, our Cenobitic monasteries, our, our community monasteries as they exist, um, he set that up. Like it's still, we're still running basically the way he set that up in Southern Egypt in, in the fourth century. And um, I, I, again, all of that was only possible because of the foundation of spiritual life they already had laid before they went out there. Um, St. Pachomios required a great deal of discipline in his monasteries. That only worked because he and his brother were uh, veterans of the Roman army, which is why, I mean, monastic structure, monastic rules and everything, it's, it's all structured off the Roman army. It, it is. And that's because that's what he knew, but he brought that in. And he built upon it. And well, you know, his Roman military experience, you can be sure that that was an incremental and difficult slog. Like that didn't come quick and easy. So I think even if we look and say, even the areas where we might go, oh, well, you know, maybe here or there, there might be an area to branch out. Yeah. And in the spiritual life, there are areas where people do something that is pivotal for the future life of the church, but it has to be rooted in the fundamental thing that is handed down to us from the apostles. Um, and and I'll, I'll bring it back to something you said earlier, because I like how you said Christ says the foundation must be him. But notice when he says it, he says, it is like a man who dug deep and built his, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who dug deep and built the foundation of his house on the rock. Well, the digging would have been messy. It would have been inconvenient. It would have been painful. It would have been laborious and tiring and probably dull as all get out. And then he compares that to someone who just goes ahead and builds on the sand, you know, like you've got no real foundation. You'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. And Christ says that the ruin of that house is great. And we do that. That's what we do because it's quick and easy. And, but you can show results fast. We put that, we put it up. But Christ's pressure test is he says, when the flood comes and the rain and the water beat down against it, the house uh, the ruin of that house is great. So Christ likens the kingdom of heaven to a structure that can withstand pressure testing. 
so you know, like that, I, I was having a conversation with a, with a wonderful, very wonderful young man yesterday at church about that. Cause he, he's young, he's inquisitive, super smart, super bright, very sincere in his faith, but like many super bright kids, um, his age and, and me when I was his age too, but he's wanting to ask about some really, really advanced stuff and some really interesting advanced stuff. He's not asking bad questions. But I'm having to redirect him like, hey, get get a consistent prayer life under wraps. Consistently know the ins and outs of prayer, of repentance, of, of uh, analyzing yourself soberly. Because and, and because like the the prayer life you set up right now, it's not going to survive. Like it's going to get tested and retooled and tested and retooled and scrapped and retooled. So like you, you better know how to do that. Um, these big cosmic questions, they're good, but without that basics. And, and I was thinking about our upcoming episode, I'm like without those basics, without those, you know, that slogging through the inter- incremental hours of Jesus prayers, uh, you're just getting better at trivia. And I think with our online age, Orthodox have gotten a lot better at trivia. Um but we should check whether our prayer and repentance is kept pace because I don't think it has. And you could throw that back at me and say, well, neither has yours, Father Michael. And I'll agree with you and say, you're right. I have a lot. Uh, I, I have a lot to square away. I'm probably case in point, but maybe that's how I know what I'm talking about. You know, it takes when you're building a foundation. Um, it takes a lot of discipline. Especially if you're doing it, you know, I mean, we have all these modern techniques, but I mean, if you set out to build a house that you intend to have stand for the next several hundred years, that that takes a lot of discipline and hard work, dude, because you need to dig down deep until you hit that bedrock. And you need to have a process to do that. You need to know from the beginning that Building on on shifting sand ain't no good. So we're going to have to do the hard, laborious work of digging down until we get to that place where we can actually have something to anchor to. And that takes discipline. And it takes, and there has to be a process. You know, I think a lot of us want to skip. I know I do. I'm sure other people are in my camp. It, it, it's nice just to hap, hopefully haphazardly throw something together as simple and easy as possible. And hope that it that it comes together, rather than doing the hard work, the disciplined work of creating a process, of creating a consistent means of doing something the same way every day in order to, to achieve that ultimate goal. And that is not easy. But if you look at any successful professional, and, you know, I mean, some people would say, okay, in, in athletics, there's some people that are just so ungodly talented that that it's easier for them than others. I might say, fine. However, I don't care how talented you are. There has to be some process. You have to be in the gym at some point. You're not getting, you're not going to get out of that. I don't care if you're LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Barry Sanders. I don't care. You, no matter how talented you are, that you have to have a process for how you are going to attain those next goals. You know, whether that's becoming the MVP of the league, whether it's becoming uh, the rushing champion, or whatever, the, the, these guys have to be disciplined. They have to have a process, and they have to have goals. And you have to create in your life step-by-step means of getting to where you want to be is as ugly and whatever is ugly and unattractive as that may be every single day it's how you get to that that's by doing that by being disciplined by creating uh the the structure is how you get to that glorious place you know you don't if I want to, I saw a video yesterday, uh, just a, an advertisement to get these dudes in squirrel suits jumping off of these mountains. I'm like, well, you guys are crazy. It looks fun, but you guys are crazy. 
I don't think that one day you wake up and you go put on a squirrel suit and you jump from 7,000 foot mountain and you're all set. I don't think that just happens overnight. I think that there has to be a whole process of testing the suit and making sure the suit is good to go, that you've done it from lower elevations, that that you understand the physics of it, that that there's this whole disciplined process day in and day out that prepares you mentally, that prepares you physically, that prepares you spiritually for being able to do that sort of jump off the side of the mountain in Switzerland and survive. And, and that's anything, man. And I think that we shortchange ourselves. I think we shortchange everybody else that does it. If we think that life is so simple that we can just go out and do things the easy way and without process, without discipline. Uh, and, and I think that's what separates the greats from the people who are just mediocre or who never even actually try. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I agree with you. And I think, I think the other thing too, is what people don't get is um, it, it's not just that it separates it out, but it's also how you are able to, it's also the pathway to being able to have flexibility and break the rules when you need to. So like, I, I, I can tell you, so like, like in jujitsu, if you are, if you're looking at someone, if you've got your, there, there's a number of basic general aphorisms that you might give your first month white belt. And then if you watch like two black belts roll, they'll probably break most of those aphorisms. They're like, wait a minute, I said, don't do, yeah, you don't do that except when you do. Uh, and, 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 and it's like, but is it not true? Oh no, it's definitely not true. You know, it's, it's a, it's a really bad idea to do that in the guard. You just did it. Yeah. But I, I know. And how do you explain it? And say, well, yeah, but I know what I'm doing or I know how to recover from it. And I think canonically, I mean, even when in our spiritual lives, like we want to jump straight to economia, uh, which is the case by case adjustment of the rules and practices of the faith. And we want to jump straight to economia and say like, oh, father, hey, could we do this this way? Do that that way? Could we adjust this or that? Um, you don't even have the basics down. But the saints, people who have real discernment, people who have real holiness can look at that and say, yeah, in general, that's the way the world should work. But for certain reasons, we're going to do things differently today. Or we're going to, do, we're going to deal with this case in a certain way. Um, and it doesn't cancel out that what the previous canon says is totally valid and true. Um, so, I mean, like, like I, I mean, you look at Jesus, right? He's the one who says not one dot or tittle will disappear from the law until all these things have been fulfilled. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. All right. And then you see him like, you know, he'll eat with it. He'll he'll his disciples will like eat or gather food on the Sabbath or something, you know, and and he'll say what? Well, the Sabbath is for men, not man for the Sabbath. Like, have you not read that when David and his officers were hungry, they ate the showbread from the tabernacle, which is supposed to only be for the priests? Well, I mean, if you're if you're if if you haven't mastered the basics, if you haven't got holiness down, if you haven't really if if you haven't if you are not in lockstep with the father how would you know when the exceptions come up all you can do is look at convenience and say oh well it's not convenient for me to do it the right way i want to do it my way and and, and sorry that doesn't work but if you are then you can look and say yeah this is where we make an exception this is where we're going to do it a little different or I think I think a better example maybe is we understand that as parents, right? Because you've got your household rules, but then you might break them for whatever reason or another. Like, you know, you're something you – know, I'm just thinking of my own kids, right? Like I think um, – just thinking of my own kids, like there might be something they, they, they try to do around the house or whatever, you know, say like they grab one of our phones and they look up something and they try to do something around the house. Maybe I won't. And it's like, well, 
maybe you didn't get, maybe you might not get chastised for it. Why? Well, you're trying to take initiative. You're trying to do something good. You're trying to help out. You broke the basic rule, which is you don't touch the electronics without permission. However, comma, I, I get why this happened today, you know, or um, like there's been times where like my son will do something frustrating, but he doesn't get in trouble for it. not because it's suddenly okay, but because there's something bigger at play here. You know, maybe you're feeling over overworked or overtired or, you know, uh, or uh, do you, or you feel like you don't, like a big complaint of his lately has been like, you guys don't listen to me. He's getting into that age, you know, he's like, you guys don't listen to me. Like, so, all right. So maybe I'll let one or things, one or two things slide a little. Why? So you can say, okay, I am listening to you. You know, why? Well, what do I need as a dad? What do I need? I need you to feel like you actually can come to me. Like you actually can trust me and come to me so that when you do have a bigger problem than a relatively small thing, you'll actually do it. But then there's going to be other times you're like, no, like the rule is strictly applied. So I, I guess I'm speaking in that this was all less vague when I was thinking about it than it's than it sounds when it's coming out of my mouth. Um, but I guess the point is, if you jump straight to disregarding the general rule and you try to bite off too much all at once, you really get nowhere. But if you've kind of mastered the basics, if you know the lay of the land, if you've got the good foundation that we keep coming back to, then you can deviate that from that and say, okay, but here's, yeah, but this time it's okay. You know, or um, nutrition, like, Hey, why are, why, why are we having dessert first? Why are we having, you know, ice cream first? Isn't that, but you know, you don't do that. Well, today we are. Why? Like generally speaking, that's not the way nutrition works, but today it's been a rough week or you did, or you got an A on your test, whatever, you know, like it, 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 there, there's reasons why today the general truth is not being uh, towed. The general line is not being towed. Uh, it doesn't negate the usual general, the usual truth. So I, I think that's the other thing too, is we, we want to jump straight to the exception. But once again, we want to jump straight to the exception because it exempts us from accountability. We, we, you know, we feel like if we jump straight to the exception, then we go, okay, well, that doesn't really apply to me. Oh, it it does. It still does. Still always does. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think, I think, so I think like ultimately we're talking about is like, it, it, it does. Do you have the humility? Do you have the humility to not be really special? Anybody who is worth remembering throughout life, worth remembering throughout the history of the church or any of their industries, had the humility to build that process that you keep talking about, master the basics, keep hammering the basics, grind and work harder than everyone else in the room, pray, you know, pray while others are sleeping, they're up praying for it be more self-controlled than others. And, and, and it's like, it, it, and, 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 and it, it takes no small amount of pride and hubris to say, I don't need to worry about that. I'm not worried about that. I'm just doing this. I don't need to worry about that. That's not something I need to worry about. I'm, that's not for me. Well, then that's pretty prideful. Like I, I'll, I haven't, I haven't achieved what this process is out there to achieve, but I know how to assess what will get me there. If you know how, how to get there, why aren't you there already? If you, if you, if you are a master of the process, you should achieve what the process is there to achieve. It'd be like me going to the gym and telling my coach, Hey, I don't need to drill technique. I know how to win all of the matches at the upcoming competition. Meanwhile, like I've never won a competition and and I'm like a, 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 a mediocre low tier blue belt. I'm going to go and tell my, my black belt coach, like, dude, I know what I'm doing. Really? If I knew what I was doing, I I would be the one winning championships and wearing the black belt, but I'm not. But if we do that with the church, we're like, oh, I haven't achieved the humility, patience, love, self-control, any of these things that the Orthodox life sets before us. But I'm going to tell the church, I don't need that or I don't need this. Well, uh, you know, so we ought to have a, a bit more humility on that. We really should. Maybe. 
<laughs> you know, I think like like in my life, one of the things that that I that I suspect holds me back is that I, I don't always take the time, nor am I willing. Let's be honest, nor am I willing to to cut the things out of my life that don't matter. Um, what do I mean by that? I, I think that that life, modern life, has become so full. I don't think that we're particularly busy. I think it's just really easy to become busy. That it's really easy to fill time with time killers. That, that between a, anywhere from a cell phone to laptop to um, to television, it's really easy to fill up any vacant block of time with something, something that seems important or that doesn't, or even worse, doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But that we fill up our day with all this stupidity and then we get lost in the malaise of having so much on our plate that now, now I don't know what's important anymore. And that, and that, and that prayer doesn't have priority. That that time with family and building discipline and building process and and evaluating the really important things in my life and then actually setting out and doing those things first aren't first. They're not important because I've filled up I've filled it I've filled up my life with a bunch of stupid stuff that isn't important that I mistook as important. And then didn't have the time for the process, didn't take the time for the process, and kind of if maybe I'm confusing you, but it, we we've come to this place where life is so so quote air quotes busy that we're so busy that we don't have time for the for the important stuff anymore, which is complete nonsense. We we have just filled our days with with so much nonsense, with so much stuff. And we're not willing to take the time to evaluate, okay, these are the important things. All this other stuff has to go and, and then re, re fill our lives with the important things and the important processes and, and be moving in an appropriate direction. I think I think that's one huge thing that we as Americans do, as modern people do, um, that that's really to our own detriment. Is that we're that that we just filled our lives with busyness rather than uh, valuable things, and and we're content with it. Well, it's not just yeah. I I agree with you. I think we I think that's what happens. But that's what happens. I think you get into that over busy thing when you haven't mastered the basics. You haven't mastered the process. How do you know where to start? How do you know when? How do you know when enough is enough? How do you know where where to even go or what to do next? Because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you need to accomplish or what you need to do, or how to be what you aren't. So instead of having the humility to submit yourself to, hey, here's the discipline of just the unglamorous building of a foundation of my spiritual life or whatever else. Well, well, let's just jump right into jump right into it and fake the funk. Well, the, the, you can't, but what you can do is you can get really busy. And, and, and I think as American Christians, we've done that. We, we've gotten really good at having a lot of flash and bang and a lot of busyness and it creates um, a very, unconvincing veneer that is paper thin. And we, we've accepted that in a lot of our parishes, a lot of our parishes, um, a lot of our parishes as Orthodox parishes. I mean, you know, we've jumped straight into putting up the paper thin veneer and, um, and people see right through it. And well, I mean, and the problem is even with us as priests, I mean, like, you know, like the wisdom I don't have now at 40 that I'll have at like 70. My kids need it now. What am I supposed to do? You know, it's like I don't have it yet. Um, other than you trust the Holy Spirit to make up what is lacking. You know, uh, but 
But that, that's really the thing. It's like you, you get busy because there's nothing else you can do with that. You're aimless because you've, you have foregone the one thing that could have given you the direction you needed, that un, uh, unglamorous foundational work. You've, you've foregone that. That's the only thing that could have given you structure. Um, so that could have given you direction. Well, since you've, you've rejected that, no, not, now all you're left with is just the uh, similitude of industry. But it doesn't mean you get anywhere. Um, and that's, that, that's kind of the Sisyphusian nature of the life we've concocted here. And that's, um, I mean, there's a reason why Sisyphus is an image of hell and then it's, it's kind of scary that that's what we've embraced. We create all these, the, we just create ministries, we create, um, programs, we, we create groups of people to, to talk about things that, that are just our hopes that will work and make our church successful like other churches, but are really just kind of vain and empty hopes because we're doing it in our own power, hoping to, to be successful like other, other people or other parishes, rather than really deeply diving into our own selves through prayer and the hard work of the spiritual life and in bringing into the world what the Holy Spirit has for us to do. Um, that's something that we're actually endeavoring to do here at Holy Apostles right now. Um, there's, a, there's a small group of guys that get together with me once a week and we sit down and we pray. And we are actually embarking on the hard work of, of making disciples and taking taking the spiritual life out of out of the mental sphere where we sit down and we read books and we gain knowledge and we have ideas and then actually putting those ideas on paper and getting them out into the real world where where father michael or father joseph or whoever it is is actually out doing the work that christ formed us to do which isn't easy i mean this is this is a time and labor intensive endeavor because because it's intentional and 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 like any foundation of work inconvenient it's intentional it's also inconvenient and long and you don't have you don't have a set end date that's that's what you can't you can't no you can't because that that foundation is going to get tested so many times you're not ever really done with it no and you know and i i could see that maybe these guys at some point will get uh, impatient with it or um, start to question the validity of it. And we've already had questions like, Father Joseph, what are you doing? It's like, I- I'm doing what I think I need to do right now. And it's it's ugly and it's a little misshapen because personally, I've never really done this before, not like this. And, and I- I'm learning with you, but this is totally worth the effort. To, to end up with with a group of, of people who are dedicated to their faith, who are willing to do the hard work of making, uh, to, of following through and doing the process, the, the discipleship, the, the, the developing the discipline to be men in Christ who are giving themselves for their families, who are giving themselves for their church community, who are giving themselves up on behalf of, of the entire world. And that is completely worth it. That is time very well spent uh, from my perspective, but, but it's incremental, you know, it is very incremental. It's, it's slow, it's laborious and it's awesome. Yeah. And I think that, I think you're hitting on something that is maybe key to this. And that is that I think that the talking about people sort of view as kind of means to an end anywhere you get to sit your feet up rather perhaps in Christ, they are the end. Like prayer is not a means to an end. Like, why are you praying to pray? Why are you doing liturgy to liturgize? Why are you being the church to be church? Like th- this is not 
uh, it's not the means to the end. It's not the end. I mean, it's not the means to an end. It's like the end. Like this is the thing we're here to accomplish. And I think people who people who really get phenomenal at anything kind of have that attitude. Like, I mean, you look at people who have just dedicated their lives to physical fitness. It's like, why are you exercising? To exercise. That this is what I'm. What do you mean? Why? What are you trying to accomplish? Right now, a bench press. Like, like these pull-ups is what I'm trying to accomplish. What are you talking about? And and it's it's like. It's we. I think we're pretty backwards on what we see as the means to an end versus the end. It's like, oh, I get it. You're trying to live these beatitudes so that you can be a kinder, uh, a kinder, be be you know, draw closer to Christ so that you can be a better behaved, kinder citizen. No, trying to draw closer to Christ so we can draw closer to Christ. I mean, that's it. But will you be a nicer citizen? I don't know. Kind of depends on your perspective. I mean, the people who are the money changers in the temple didn't think Christ was being very nice when he kicked their tables over. And the scribes and Pharisees that called got called vipers and whitewashed tombs didn't think he was nice and gentle. But there he was, the Prince of Peace. Uh, you know, I, I, so it's kind of depends on who you are in this story. Um, but ultimately we're called to be as faithful to him. So I, I think, but I think we won't get there if we are so full of ourselves that we don't have the humility to do that, like just the incremental slog. The incremental slog. Remind me, I think that's a great title for, <laughs> for this episode. We'll see if that passes muster by the time this goes up, whenever it does, incremental slog. S-L-O-G. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how often does the word slog get used? I guess if you want to put two G's on there, you can make it sound really punk rock. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I pick on this a lot, but I don't like the word nice. Did, did you know that the word no, nice, yeah, nice used to mean stupid? Exactly. Nice was a pejorative and it meant to be dumb or stupid. The better word is to be kind because to be kind is to be loving. Yes. Because if I'm kind to you, I might tell you that you're screwing up, mm -hmm. you know, and Jesus was being very kind yeah. that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he weren't being, he was, well, he was not nice. He was absolutely being kind. They had turned, I mean, again, like, so what, what's, so let's, let's look at it. Like here, here's where being master of the Sabbath is a thing. So look at this. What's the consequence for profaning God's temple? I mean, even the New Testament, like let's let's not look old first. Let's look new and into the epistles of St. Paul, where he says, um, whoever destroys God's temple, God will destroy him and that temple you are. Okay. But here's money changers in the temple. Well, I mean, what's what's the consequence for profaning and disrespecting God's sacred space. It's always bad. Sometimes it's exile into Babylon. Sometimes it's death. Sometimes it's a plague. Um, the, the, you know, when the Philistines desecrated the, uh, the Israelite space and stole the Ark of the Covenant, um, you know, their God got defeated and killed and there were plagues breaking out and they had to give it back. I mean, like, there's always cosmically bad consequences for profaning God's space. Not because he's getting back at us, but because that is the consequential space that we set ourselves in. That is the naturally, just like if I go out and walk onto the highway and I get hit by a car, it's not that the cars were mean and evil. This is what happens if you walk into the highway. This is what happens if you embark on the demonic task of blasphemy. Death and destruction ensue. So here you have a bunch of people who profane God's house. God is physically in the flesh among them. All they got was their stuff kicked over. All they got was their tables overturned and they were driven out and every one of them lived to tell the tale. He was being phenomenally kind. <laughs> 
Because historically speaking, that is a that is a scenario you should not survive. You are you you have set yourself in opposition to Yahweh. You're profaned his holy space. He is physically here. Um, you know, for both Old and New Testament say that God is a consuming fire and and iniquity simply cannot survive in his presence. It's not that he sets out to kill it. It can't survive in his presence. Like I can't survive underwater in the ocean. It can't survive. Here's a bunch of people doing that and he lets them survive. They've just got to leave. My gosh, that is so phenomenally kind. No one in that room should have made it. Um, so... Like, there you go. Like, it, it, there's an example of kind but not nice because it, by all accounts, nobody should have survived that. Um, there you go. There you go. Right. So right. let's, real quick before we, we sign off, um, let, let, I think it would be good because we, we just said a few minutes ago, we, we said that we don't, we don't always know what to do. That, that sometimes we're, we're, we're lost about what the process should be. So in our day-to-day -day life, let, let's, give some, let's give some pointers. Let's give some direction to people who might say, Father Michael, Father Joseph, how do I cut some of the fat and the busyness out of my life and, and start building this incremental process? Sounds easy the way you guys are saying it, but give me some practical pointers, things I can do right now today, incrementally, to start to succeed for myself, for my family, for my community. Put your prayer by your bedside. Say the Trisagion prayers and like 10 Jesus prayers before getting out of bed. And the Trisagion prayers are what? All right, that starts out with... O heavenly King, the comforter, the spirit of truth, right? Then moves into the holy God, holy, mighty, holy, immortal. Then the most holy trinity have mercy on us. O Lord, cleanse us from our sins. Then the Our Father. Um, if you open up any Orthodox prayer book, it is the introductory, it is the, the introductory sequence. And in many cases, also the closing sequence for all morning and evening prayers. And it is also in uh, a lot, it's in a lot of these services as well. But open up any Orthodox prayer book. And if somehow you don't have access to any of that, start with the Our Father and 10 to 15 Jesus prayers. By the way, what I just said, if you did the Trishagian prayers, if you said those silently to yourself, 10 Jesus prayers, it will take you no more than a minute and a half-ish. You've got a minute and a half. Uh, like, And normally you're going to check your phone and lose more time than that logging into Facebook. So just forego that. I want to like, just like, just that, just, just that don't be above that. Don't be, don't be better than that. Just before you roll out of bed, say these, say these prayers that are not anchored in what you want. They, these are the prayers of Christ's body. And you, you, and you're not there asking him to give you stuff. You're asking him, you're just spending time with him and it'll only take, it'll take you less than two minutes. You have that time. Your prayer. So, and then start your day like that. Like that's like, start with that. Start with that. Just, just get really solid on that and then do it before you go to sleep. And then, you know, then say Jesus prayer while you're washing dishes, something. I mean, but just start with that. Like don't be above it. Nice. Yeah. And just, uh, don't, don't be above it. That's great advice. Don't be above it. And, um, you know, be involved, get involved with your family. If you're married, if you have kids, if, if, if it's, if you're single and, and it's your church family, um, my suggestion is get involved, be involved, uh, prayerfully on their behalf and, and get involved with them. I think it's way too easy to get pulled into this, uh, into a digital reality. You know, like you said, logging into Facebook or, or getting sucked into whatever on uh, on your Google search or whatever. You know, it's way too easy to fall in love with this false reality. 
this digital reality because it's beautiful, it's colorful, it's according to my will, uh, it's exciting, and it doesn't have any of the uh, of the intense drama that that life is full of. But get get involved outside of these digital things and and pray and actually pray uh, for, for people and and do the work that God has you to for you to do. It's way too easy to get locked into these these mental, uh, psychological, um, non-realities, and and to spend all of our time and all of our waking effort and uh, energy on on these non-realities. I see it in my own life. I see it in the lives of people around me, it, and it short changes it short changes us, and it doesn't allow for that incremental growth. Uh, in the church. So anyway, thank you everybody out there uh, for your continued support. Uh, Thank you for listening to us here on anchor.fm at On the Battlefield. Thank you for checking us out on Facebook at On the Battlefield podcast. And thank you for the the great feedback on the On the Battlefield shorts of both Rumble and YouTube. They have been a great deal of fun. Thank you, Father Michael, for this this dialogue today, it was enjoyable. It was a challenge uh, to me personally to to get out of uh, my own way and to continue on the hard task of this incremental growth and the humbling aspect that it is of, of creating a, a disciplined process of moving and growing in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, do you have anything to, to finish that off with? No, and may the Holy Trinity bless and protect you always. Keep fighting the good fight. We'll see you on the battlefield. God bless you all.